which has five roofed colonnades. Verse 3. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, 38 years perhaps, it's a long time. That's a long time to hold on to a promise. Hmm? Hmm? That's a long time to hold out and not do what our feelings tell us. Go to the divorce courts. Leave the kid alone. Give up on parenting them. Give up on believing that that kid is going to return and be somebody. It's a long time to sit on a promise and give up on that call that you thought you heard God write as far as what you should be doing with your life. It's a long time to sit on a struggle. I thought when I gave my life to Jesus, this sin was going to go away, but it followed me into my Christian. It's a long time. And he says here, it had been there a long time. He said to him, Jesus always has something to say to us. What's our story may be our story, but Jesus always has something to say, no matter who you are and no matter what you've had to wait a long time for. That's not even my message. I'm just reading. We got to read the text. A long time, he said to him, now listen to this. Do you want to be healed? It's a question we're going to return to. Do you want to be healed? Verse 7, the sick man answered him, sir, if he took my advice, he, would have, he should have said yes. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once... The man was healed, and he took up his bed or his mat, in there, his yoga mat, if you will. Hopefully you're not offended by that. And walked, and walked. Look at your neighbor and just tell them the title of my message. Pick up your mat. There are three feasts that the Jews often reserved, observed. Uh, there's a number of them you're, you're aware of. Uh, there's, there's the Passover feast, there's Pentecost, and then there's the Feast of, of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is here in John's account of Jesus' life in public ministry at this point where he has a chance to come to Jerusalem. And there, where the people of God are worshiping, on his way, he discovers... As was his custom, Jesus is well in, he's in his 30s by now, and all throughout his childhood, he's had a chance to pass by this particular place as a child and as an adolescent, as a teenager, as a young man, and now with his ministry having publicly launched, here he is again. Maybe he's seen this person along with these other invalids before. This invalid is older than Jesus. He's 38 years old. That's how old I am, in case you were wondering. How old is pastor? <laughs> Wrong. And here he comes to this particular place of a sheep gate. And next to the sheep gate, there's a pool. There's this pool. And they refer to it as the pool of Bethesda. The word Bethesda in Aramaic or Hebrew can be translated in one of two ways. In fact, it could be used both ways depending on its context. The word has its origin in grace. It also has its origin in disgrace. And so when we do our homework, we find out that the, the word is used in both ways. And how interesting, isn't it? Where he comes, he sees a multitude, not one, not a few, of people who are gathered by this colonnades, by these colonnades, who perhaps are seen by society as a disgrace. But what's Jesus on the scene to bring? The Bible says, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us full of what? Grace and truth. And so it doesn't matter what people may see you as. It doesn't matter what you may think. 
you're regarded as. Jesus has another word on the matter. I said, Jesus has another word on the matter. And the question really, every day of our lives as his followers is, whose voice are we going to hear? What's unique about this particular place in the background, if I could just lay it just for one moment before I get to what I want to say is, this pool is unique. There's a spring at the bottom that shoots up and fills not only the pool, but it fills it to overflowing. And it was customary for these colonnades, which is another way of saying porches. So you have these five porches that are roofed for protection, where these invalids, people with different and various kinds of diseases and illnesses, are all gathered and convened. And as he noticed, he noticed that they were gathered by like, by their diseases, by their issues. Some who got these kinds of issues kind of sit in this side of the church. Some who got these kinds of issues like to gather around this sort of a place. And he noticed that they all found each other. Isn't it interesting how people who are certain ways just know how to spot people who are just like them. The naysayers know who the naysayers are. The Obama lovers know who the Obama lovers are. The Trump haters know who the Trump haters are. The people who have one kind of struggle know who those kinds of people are. The people who love to be negative know how to find negative people. The people who are cynical and suspicious of everything just know how to gravitate toward those kinds of people. And Jesus sees them. There they are, right there, for who knows how many years next to this pool. And you wonder, why are they next to the pool? Legend has it that at different points in history, nobody knows when, and therefore your only chance is to be around when it happens, the waters get stirred. And it was told and it was said and discovered and learned that if the waters are stirred and you have the ability either to get your body up and into the water or somebody's around kind enough to get you up and put you into the water, that you'll be healed and your life will be changed. And so they would get up to this pool and just stay by it. For however long, they'll sleep there, they'll eat there, they'll lie there, they'll remain there. This man, apparently, as long as 38 years, has been by this pool in Bethesda. All hanging on one promise. Not from God, not from the word, but some superstition, perhaps. It's interesting. It's, it's amazing to me how many people will reach and stretch and risk and do whatever they got to do. And I don't fault them. All it takes is for you. Find yourself in a difficult spot. Just wait and see when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place. And you'll begin realizing the kind of people we look down at like, what has gotten into her? Why is he over? Why do they think they're going to get anything out of <laughs> Desperate times call for what? Desperate measures. And that's what these people find themselves in but to no avail. That's the problem, to no avail. And Jesus shows up on the scene as a man, as the Bible itself tells us, who's moved with compassion. Here he is. He sees God incarnate, as we said, walking among them, and they don't even recognize him. And here this man is, near this particular pool, hoping. And the legend had it that an angel was what caused that water to stir up. And that angel would come and flatter its wings and immediately the water would stir up. And if you happen to be any one of the people, because it wasn't all the multitude, it had to be one. And you had to make sure that you're that one among the multitude to get yourself in the water. There's your ticket. And so Jesus shows up seeing these people hanging on promises, hanging on things that are to no avail. And he says, I'm here. But they don't recognize him. That's the problem. They don't recognize him for who he is. It's amazing how Jesus could be this close and we don't see him. We don't recognize him. We don't reach for him. But we reach for what we think are our solutions. This location, this place, this pool in Bethesda is nothing without Jesus. The only reason why we know anything about it is because Jesus decided to show up at one point in time. This account is in our Bibles because of what Jesus did here after showing up. Had he not been here, we would know nothing of it. What gives it, it, what gives it its import is Jesus himself. 
Let me put it like this. This chapel is nothing unless Jesus shows up. This is a pool of Bethesda waiting for the waters to be stirred. And there's a lot of people, even church folk, that'll be as religious as who knows what, but they'll never get themselves to Jesus. It's amazing how much we'll be preoccupied with, but never allow any of that to take us to Jesus. Because it's only in Jesus that I find my healing. It's only in Jesus that I, found, I find transformation. It's only in Jesus that I find what I'm really in need of. It's amazing to me how easy it is for us to treat our churches and our chapels like a, a pool at Bethesda. Where if I could just pull into the parking lot, if I could just get dressed up in my Sunday best, if I could just make it into the sanctuary, if I could just find a seat, maybe my favorite seat, if I could just own a Bible, if I could have the right Bible version, if I could sing the, the right songs, if I could hear the right message, if I could belong to the right kind of church that they tell me to, maybe if I hit enough of those checklists, something will happen if I hang around here long enough. And Jesus looks, and he's just sad. He's like, that's not where your hope rests. That's not where the answer lies. The answer lies where? With me. And I'm here, and I'm in your midst. And it just goes to show you that they were holding on so tightly to what they thought was the answer that they missed the answer. And yet Jesus shows up. But you know what's interesting is Jesus doesn't fault them. He doesn't like when he storms into the temple, grab a whip and throw over tables and guilt trip them. No, he just looks at them with eyes of compassion and he sees their need and he realizes unless I show up, they're never going to find any hope for their need. And so here this man is with his issue and here these people are with their issues defined by their issues. All they know is their disease, and they've created a culture around their diseases. Sometimes the cultures that we create around our diseases and our issues are far greater and impactful than the disease itself. There's a lot of people you and I know. It's like, man, you've been in trouble, but the last thing you want to do is hang around those people who are into the same stuff that you're in. I know you're telling me you want to change. I know you're telling me, man, what time is that service? I'm going to make it to church. Y'all still meeting there? I promise I really want to change. I'm, I'm really trying to get it together. Pray for me. I'm hearing you, but I'm really having a hard time believing you. Why? Because you're still going back to the same crowd. That culture is infested with that disease. And it's going to do you and your issue no good by continuing to surround yourself around the same people who are still about the same business. And that's what we have here. They're just feeding each other. Misery loves company. So it's no surprise to me why you're going to want to be around people who want to enable you in your dysfunction. You see, they didn't want true change. They wanted to be enabled. They didn't want to be changed. They wanted to be pitied. They didn't want to be changed. They wanted to be affirmed. They didn't want to be changed. They wanted to be supported in their dysfunction. They didn't want to be changed. And Jesus shows up, and what does he say? Do you want to be healed? That's not the most pastoral advice to give someone. I know in our day and age with our cultures, do you want to be healed? Imagine if Jesus put that up on his Facebook Zuckerberg would flag it. Facebook ministry, Facebook page of Jesus suspended for three weeks. Why? Because he's saying that people want to be healed. People are fine where they're at. That's what our culture says. That's what this culture around these colonnades was suggesting to everybody. The, the, the conditions for change were not there. The environment for trans transformation was not there. Everybody was enabling the next person in their dysfunction and in their issue. Until Jesus came along and he says, this sort of advice ain't happening. This sort of advice is not going to do you any good. This sort of advice is only going to add 38 more years to you. Sometimes the most compassionate thing we could do 
is ask the right question. And Jesus is on the scene asking the right question, not because he hates him, but because he loves him. The Bible says the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs 25. Faithful are the wounds. They're kissing each other. That's all they've been doing on the mats. Just stay here. Don't get up. What you doing? We got churches that will build all around this country around our mats. We're the church where you can have God and just remain on your mat and we'll never ask you to get up off of your mat. In the name of love. Isn't God love? Yes, God is love. But love is not God. Because when love is God, love is made in my own image. And now I begin to tell God what needs to change and what doesn't. And if I need to remain on this mat, I'll stay on this mat. But God loves you and me too much to allow us to remain on our mat. I wonder how many of us have issues of our own kind. And it's so easy. I know it. I feel it. To define my life based on what's happened to me in my upbringing in my past rather than what Jesus has already done for me. You see, the blood of Jesus is bigger than your issue. The blood of Jesus is bigger than your past. The blood of Jesus gives you the opportunity to be able to have a life beyond whatever it is that has happened to you in your life. You don't any longer have to live based off of what has happened to me. The blood of Jesus may not give you amnesia about your past. It may not erase my past, but it helps me know that I can have a life beyond my past. And that's what Jesus wants to offer this man who has had no hope up till this time. And that's what Jesus wants to offer you and me. You and I may not have his issue, but we may have an issue. I don't know if you've been sexually abused. I don't know if you've had trauma in your upbringing. A lot of times we're, we're labeled and we even don't even know how to regard ourselves. We don't even know this man's name, but we know his issue. There are a lot of people in the Bible where we don't know their names, but we know their issue. In John chapter 4, just a previous passage, we know about the Samaritan woman, right? But we don't know her name, but we know her issue. In John chapter 9, we know about the man that was born blind. We know his issue, but we don't know his name. In John chapter 8, we know about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and presented to Jesus. We don't know her name, but we know her issue. In Mark 5, we know about the demoniac and the need he had for Jesus. We don't know his name, but we know his issue. The man who was deaf and mute in Luke, we don't know his name, but we know his issue. The leper who touched Jesus and was in need of wholeness, we don't know his name, but we know his issue. The woman who had lived with an issue of blood, we don't know her name, but we know her issue. And a lot of times it's very easy to get to the point in our lives where we don't any longer recognize ourselves. If you were to ask me, who are you? Tell me about yourself. All I could do is tell you about my issue. We Instagram about our issues. We spend three, five hours with our filters to, to present our issues. We boost on our Facebook pages our issues. We're constantly projecting our struggles and our dysfunction of one kind or another. We need a new message. We need a church that's going to use Instagram, that's going to use our platforms, but not to project our dysfunction. Not to project merely what has happened to us, but how God has taken what has happened to us and used it for good. We want to talk less and less about what has happened to us and more and more about what has been done for us in the gospel. And that's what Jesus wanted to do with this man's story. He says, there's another message. You don't need to keep sharing that message. If you let me in, I'll give you another story. You got far more chapters to this book than have already been written. But the only way those chapters are going to be written is if you let me in. You got to let me in. And the way Jesus gets in is through a question. Oftentimes that's the way he gets in. In our prayer life, as we're driving, as we're just opening up the Bible personally, God often by his Holy Spirit presents questions that are very intrusive, that are very insightful, 
Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? This man thought that Jesus was just going to affirm him in where he was. And, and Jesus is like, nope. I know you, you don't need my help about what you know about you up till now. But you do need my help about what I can do with you from this point onward. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to show up, friend, in your life. Maybe you've come here today with an issue or a dysfunction. Maybe it goes back all the way to your childhood. Perhaps it goes back to your teenage years. Perhaps you're struggling in your relationships, in your marriages, in raising up children, in wanting to know, do I even have what it takes to raise up these new kids that I've brought into this world? I'm afraid that my past may catch up to me, and I may project that on this kid. A lot of us are carrying issues. Perhaps you're someone here today and you've yet to see Christ as a, as a Savior who actually forgives sin. And you think that you need to continue going on as you have. And yet Jesus is here saying to you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Notice what this man says. He doesn't respond the way Jesus would have wished initially. He responds with excuses and reasons. He pulls the victim card out in order to remind Jesus as though Jesus didn't know about what explains why he hasn't gotten into the water up till now. And Jesus is saying, look, that's, that's not going to help. You see, so long as I keep giving Jesus a reason for why I can't have him in my life the way I want him, I'll never be able to see what he can do with my life. I'm going to remain on this mat. You see, what's difficult about getting off of the mat is this. All I've known is this. That's home. That's comfort. That's what's worked, at least for me, for, for now. What you're telling me, I've never seen what it's like to be up standing like this looking at people. I've always related to people on my mat. I've always related to people from the position of victim. I've always related to people as the one who never change, the one who never goes from glory to glory, the one who stays as he is. And Jesus is saying, I know, but are you prepared to see that change after today is the question. And he says to him here in this text, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. It's a sad thing to be that close to a pool that is said to have your healing. It is a sad thing to be that close to your purpose, to your destiny, to everything that Jesus has died and risen again to secure for you. And it's only within arm's reach, but you never get a chance to set foot into it and know it for yourself. It's one thing never to know it at all. It's better to have never been born at all, but to be able to be so in touch with your issues, to be so in touch with your infirmities, and that close to what you think is going to be your deliverance, but not be able to access it is a miserable situation. And Jesus is broken for this man. He's broken for this man. Notice these people here, including him, don't need any help with knowing that they're sinners. They don't need, they're not atheists. They don't need any help in knowing that they're broken and in need of help. This group of people need no help from you or me that they've got issues that they would love to see changed. That they got. What they don't have is that Jesus is their only hope of salvation and healing. So many come to church into the doors with their issues and they walk out of the doors with their issues. And in many cases, they don't need any help with what's going on in their life that's keeping them from what Jesus wants to do to change things. It's just that Jesus hasn't showed up as he wishes to. And here, this man is about to see a difference. Verse 8, Jesus says to him, get up. That's what Jesus says to us. Get up. Take your, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed. And what did he do? He walked. You see, that's faith. 
Faith is when Jesus tells you and me to do the impossible. Faith is when Jesus calls you and me to do what we cannot do in and of ourselves. That's faith. I mean, how, how are you going to tell this person that's, that's his problem, and you're going to tell him to do what, what's his problem? That's irrational. Exactly. That doesn't make sense. In the spirit world, it does. In the kingdom, it does. In Jesus' program, it does. What do you think we're doing every Sunday? What do you think we do when we share the gospel with people who are dead in trespasses and sins, who are enemies of God? Shouldn't we just wait for them to get spiritual, to change their life, to wash up on the outside and to begin to get a little religious? Then we'll begin to offer them. No, no, no. We meet people where they are. I don't wait for people to change. I don't wait for people to change a bit. I'll meet you in the bar if I have to. I'll sit across the table if I have to. I'll meet you in the alley. I'll meet you at the park. I'll meet you at your home. We don't wait for people to come to church before we bring the good news of the gospel to them. Jesus didn't wait for this person to come to church. He met him where he was. Why? That's the work God does. He meets us in the middle. In the boldness to want to call people to what you know is their fullest potential and their obedience that meets it. That's where God shows up. That's where God shows up right then and right there. But so many of us are like, oh, he wouldn't want it. I look at her. I've seen her. I've seen him on his social media. It doesn't look like they're into church. I've, I've watched them. I work with them. I go to school with them. They're not into that kind of stuff. I share the gospel. I'll share the love of Jesus with these people. Imagine if Jesus operated on that same program. We'd be in trouble. None of us would be here. But he loved us anyhow, didn't he? He loved us anyhow through our issues through our issues. I don't care what issues you have today. I don't care what the struggles are today. I don't care what sort of a past has marked your life today. There is hope, church, in Jesus today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God here with this unnamed man who only knew how to identify himself by his issue, and he's the same God today, where perhaps you're somebody here where the only way you know how to see yourself is through your issue. This is what I struggle with, whether it's alcohol or drugs or porn or whether it's addiction to social media or video games or money or whatever the case may be. Or perhaps it's what's been done to you that you could not, as hard as you've tried to run, as fast as you've tried to run, it still keeps chasing you. And you've yet been able to set foot into the fullness of God's potential for your life. Friend, there's hope for you today. But you cannot meet this word the same way this man met the word initially. You've got to meet Jesus' word for you today with a heart that's open to receive what he has to offer. What he has to offer. We're told that there were multitudes. Not everyone got what Jesus had to offer. All we're told is about this one man. Sometimes I realize when I travel, when I preach in conferences, when I'm in services, I realize, I remember when I first started in ministry, I used to try to impact everyone exactly the same way, and it was stressful. I was on the point of burnout. And then I had to realize, you know what? The Holy Spirit moves in different ways. Everyone has their time, and I have no control of that. Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes, John 3. I hear its sound, but I don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. He's sovereign, in other words. He does as he pleases, and it's my job to just be faithful in letting you know where the hope lies, where the answer is. And where your change will begin to take place. And nowhere else. It's not going to be in any pool. It's going to be in Jesus. It's not going to be at any Bethesda. It's going to be right here with Jesus. But you've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared to be able to take your issue and believe that God's bigger than your issue. That no matter what your past looks like, Jesus is capable of changing all of that today. That's the faith that we have got to be able to exercise before our God. And I want to give you guys an opportunity. I really want to do, give that an opportunity today. 
I want to pray for this church. I want to take some minutes to pray for this church because I have a heart for this congregation. I really am standing in your corner wanting to believe that God is capable of doing far more in your lives than we've even begun to see. But I know a lot of us, church, has really been like what we saw with the Pool of Bethesda. I mean, we want God. We want church. We want Christianity in our life. I mean, but we've been cold. We've been indifferent. We've had God, but we still have our issues. And I don't know what those are, but you know what they are, and you know that God knows, and you know that God cares about you, and you know after what we heard today that Jesus doesn't say, wait, today is the day of salvation. Jesus didn't give him a prolonged period of time before he brought healing. He says, do you want it now? You will leave this place with the healing. You will leave this place knowing a change has taken place with your life. You will leave this place discovering for yourself, not just in the pages of God's word, but in your own life that God has shown up, that God is present, that God is at work. But what is it going to take? It's going to take the same thing that this man, that this man exercised that the multitudes didn't. Now you can imagine, can't you? These multitudes are like, don't do it. Don't do it. You'd be a fool. What you doing getting up off this mat? Just stay right here with us. Is that, is that uh, so-and-so? We don't know his name. Is that so-and-so trying to get up? What is he doing? It looks like he's listening to this. It looks like he's listening too much. Isn't that what your, our friends tell us? Isn't that what our circles tell us? I notice I've been watching you on your social media. I've been watching you during your breaks. I've been watching how you spend your weeks. It looks like you're getting a little too serious about this Jesus. You better watch out. You better watch out with this God business. And that's what they told him. You better watch out with this God business. What did Jesus do? Jesus says, don't listen to those voices. If you want it, you can have it right here and right now. And so, church, we're going we're gonna to have this time of worship, have this time of, of prayer. I want to stand together if we could. And I want to invite anyone and everyone for whom this is so. Perhaps you are struggling in areas in, in your life, whether it has to do with your distant past, your recent past. Perhaps it has to do with issues in relation with other people. Or perhaps it has to do with yourself. You want more. You know there's more, but you're not there. And you realize the answer is clear after what we heard today. I want to invite you forward, and I want to take this time to be able to pray with you and to pray for you and believe that God is capable of bringing that same sort of hope and healing that he brought to this man to you as well. But you've got to come forward. You've got to come forward. You've got to come forward. Imagine what this man must have had to rise above to actually lend his ear to Jesus. The pressure of the voices around him. The pressure of all of these other invalids. Like, what are you doing, fool? Are you kidding me? Stay where you are. Identity. I want to see more. I know God has more. I want to go from glory to glory. I want to witness his hand in my life. I don't want to go on. If God is going to use me in any sort of powerful, meaning way, I want to make sure that there's nothing interfering with what God has for my life. You've got to come. You've got to come as this man came. And no, you've got to believe that on the other end of your positive response to Jesus is healing. On the other end of this man's response to Jesus' question, do you want to be healed, was healing. The man got up, picked up his bed, and he walked. You're going to get up. You're going to get up from your dysfunction. You're going to get up from your addictions. You're going to get up from your struggles. You're going to get up from all sorts of challenges. Everything that has been seeking to assault your life and God's purpose on your life is going to be broken today and you're going to pick it up in your hand as something that used to own you and say, you be on me. Now you're going to own it and you're going to use it for God's glory.
God's going to take your mess. God's going to take your issue. God's going to be taking every weapon that people have been shooting in your direction to destroy you and turn it around and use it for his glorious purposes in your life. And you watch and see. That change is taking place. You may have come into this building one way, but I'm promising you, you're going to leave a whole other way. Hallelujah. Let's pray.
Father, we come before you thanking you that we no longer have to be defined by what sort of mat we're lying upon. It may have been five years, it may have been 20, it may have been 38, but that's behind us now. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation and the old has passed away. Old things are gone. Old things are buried. We pick up our mats out of this place and we walk out of here with new purpose, with new vision, with new direction, with new destiny, with new kingdom living, with new ways of seeing ourselves and you and this world and one another. God, we refuse to believe the lies again. We refuse to listen to the voices again. We refuse to buy into what we may have well bought into for many years. After today, it's a new day. Our ears are attuned to you, Holy Spirit. We live for you, Holy Spirit. Our lives are going to be built upon your word, oh God. We're not going to live according to this world. We're not going to live according to our past. We're going to live according to what you say you desire out of our present. Lord, help us. Be with us, Lord God, I pray. As we go from this place, as we leave this place, may this not just be a one-time thing, but may you go with us. May we take revival with us. May we take your glory with us. Christ in you. Not Christ in this building. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The devil will not. Every form of darkness cannot. No lie will succeed with this church. We stand with you, Christ. Our allegiance is to you, Jesus. Our hearts are yielded to no other but you, Holy Spirit. Our lives are not going to be built upon the twisted lies of a perverted enemy. Our lives are going to be built on the sure word of your truth, Lord God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We stand by the marriages in this church. We stand by the children in this church. We stand by the ones yet to be born. We stand by the ones recently born. We stand by the ones who've been born for a while. We stand by the youth of this community. We stand by the young adults. We stand by our spiritual fathers and our mothers. We stand with one another, Lord God. And we speak life to one another. We speak purpose. We speak your vision. To one another's lives and we believe it today in Jesus name and everybody said amen 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 bless you God bless you God bless you please greet one another before you leave <laughs>